Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you to take the microphone and share your best tips, triumphs, and inspirations. Whether you are still in search of a diagnosis or a longtime patient, we want to hear from you because we know how much your voices matter. So pull up a chair and have a seat at the table. Hello and welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360. This is the official talk show for the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short. My name is Tiffany and I will be the host of this mini episode. And what is a mini episode, you ask? Well, these are short segments of our show that focus either on hot topics or a specific project that we're working on that we need you to jump in and grab a seat at the table so that you can help us solve the problems of tomorrow. For this mini episode, we're going to revisit a show that we did live. That's right, live. It was the first time we did it. It was pretty darn exciting. So if you missed it, that's okay, because we're going to give you a link that you can you can check in and see all of the ones that we did live. But we're going to revisit that one of these. And the one that we're going to revisit is the COVID-19 and AI arthritis discussion that I co-hosted with fellow patient and AI arthritis volunteer, Danielle. Danielle is a former educator on pandemics and epidemics. And so she co-hosted this with me. So she could review from a former podcast that we did in our special AI arthritis COVID-19 breakout series on this talk show back in March. She reviewed the segment on what a pandemic is and an epidemic, how it affects our world, and also touched a little bit on a continued issue today with some people not taking this COVID-19 pandemic as seriously as others, including claiming it's not that big of a deal. So I'm going to turn this over to the live recording that we did just a week ago on our Facebook page, and then I'll tune back and provide a little bit more information. We are live and welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360. This is the official talk show for the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short. And we're doing something pretty special this week. Uh, we have an auto ball, which is our first gala that we were going to have offline in St. Louis, Missouri. For the first time, we were moving offline and we were going to introduce ourselves to the community publicly. And now we're back inside because of COVID-19. But that's okay, because now we're just going to stream the podcast that we were going to do anyway at the Autoball here online. And I'm not alone. If you are sitting here tuning in with us, you see that there are other people on the screen with me. So my name is Tiffany. I am one of your co-hosts. I'm also the CEO of the foundation. And I'm a person living with non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. And I have, there's lovely Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. So, so why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? 
My name is Danielle Das, and I have volunteer with the AI Arthritis periodically. Um, I have co-hosted a few episodes of Voices 360, which is fun. And uh, I am a recently retired teacher. I taught government and human geography for about 15 years. Um, and one of the topics that we cover in those courses is epidemic and pandemic spread. So that's I've been doing some of the COVID-19 coverage, which has been interesting. Yes. And which is what we're going to focus on here. And you also are a person living with these diseases. And I am. I have. And my um, diagnosis is kind of a confusing mess, but I, I have rheumatoid arthritis. I have um, axial spondyloarthritis. I also have primary biliary cholangitis, which is an autoimmune liver disease. And I have a rheumatologist who thinks that I may have had juvenile idiopathic arthritis that was missed as a kid. So that's, you know, I'm, uh, people are like, what's your diagnosis? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> AI, AI arthritis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I like the umbrella. I'm like, I have arthritis. Yeah. I have yeah. A few. <laughs> and you see, we're still not alone because there are there are, there are others lurking around here. So we wanted to give a shout out real quick to our production team. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hello. There's Bill and there's Ryan. So not only is Danielle one of our co-hosts, she's married to one of our producers. Hey. I am. <laughs> So we wanted to give a shout out and thank these guys because without them, there's no way we would have ever been able to launch the show in and and build it up to what it's become. So just a quick shout out and thanks to um, Ryan and to Bill for coming on board and and really bringing the show to life. So just a just a personal thank you for that. Always happy to be here. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and get to the show. Bill, I know you've got some kids waiting. and <laughs> I got to go take care of my kids. So I'm also happy to not be here. Uh, I'm All right. Your headphone now, Danielle. Yes, please do. All right. So the topic today that we are going to talk about is we're going to we're going to revisit the co the whole COVID-19. <laughs> so it was it was the reason that we are here online <laughs> because of COVID. We were not able to do the physical ball. But also we started as an organization, as all really the nonprofits have needing to address this issue. It's something that is important to our community, uh, people who are high risk and and uh, being affected by COVID. So we decided that we would start an entirely separate stream of COVID-specific talk shows based on this AI Arthritis Voices 360 show. And Danielle has been part of a couple of those that that we've had. Yep. You were part, you were on the first, were you on the first one? Yeah. Yeah, we did the you very were. first one about, you know, the whole idea of controlling the spread and flattening the curve. And then I also did an episode about masks and, and then another one about gloves. Right. Okay. We have had 10 now. So all of those episodes can be found on our website at arthritis.org backslash COVID-19. We set up a special page that has links to a variety of resources from other organizations and governments from around the world. We also have some of our own materials that we've created, and we have 
10 of these episodes. Some are longer, some are shorter, which we called mini-sodes. And Danielle was in the first one that we did with Joe Co. at Creaky Joints. He's fun. I love yeah. Joe Co. Shout out. Shout out to Creaky Joints because they have done an excellent job of creating resources in, in COVID-19. Uh, so we did one on an overview of the pandemic, which Danielle is going to give us a, a kind of a highlight reel, if you will, <laughs> of what we talked about there. She did such an amazing job. There are some other ones I'm looking at the list here. We also had a COVID-19 Ask the Roomie, and that was with Dr. Kim, who was on Saturday for another episode. And we also are launching our breakout series, Roomie Rounds, with him as well, that we'll definitely share more with you uh, about that as we're doing the auto ball. So you, you are familiar with patients and rheumatologists coming to the table. That was with Matt Eisman, and he is the host of American Ninja Warrior. So you have links to check that one out. We also did some on my, Not My New Normal. We did reality check from high-risk patients. We did a lot of stuff. So you need to go. We'll have to make sure that we link to that and everybody can check it out. But right now, what we really wanted to do was part of the auto ball is to let everyone know, number one, we're here. <laughs> our nonprofit, but a little bit about who we are and what we do. So our mission is we help others like ourselves, like Danielle and myself, people living with these diseases, have a voice alongside other stakeholders as equals at the table so that we can solve problems together that impact education, advocacy, and research. And one of the kind of neat things I think about our organization as well is, like Danielle said, many of us have our professional backgrounds that we bring to the table as well. So we're kind of dual stakeholders, right? Yeah. <laughs> people living with these diseases and, and have professionals. So I'm going to hand it over to Danielle to take it away in respect to kind of explaining the whole pandemic, epidemic, and you did so eloquently in that first show. So we'll give some, some everybody a little glimpse into the amazing information that you gave the first time around. Okay. So just to review very Briefly, a pandemic is any disease that has a widespread across multiple countries, um, particularly multiple continents. When epidemiologists are looking at it, we're looking to see, does it cross multiple oceans? Does it have multiple epicenters Can, when you plot the cases on the map? I was looking at the Johns Hopkins Research Center today. They've been doing a great job of, of uh, mapping the cases. And when you look at the cases right now, uh, there's just a giant bloom of cases over the United States, giant bloom over the uh, European Union, you know, outbreaks all over all of the continents, with the exception of Antarctica, which makes sense because not any people there. And there's not really any areas where there are no cases at all. So it's pretty easy to look at that and go, yep, that that uh, meets the criteria for a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, yes, it does. It, um, so to anyone who is is. I have actually seen people saying, well, but is it a pandemic? No, it it definitely is, because there's a lot of confusion about what the word means. A pandemic doesn't necessarily mean a certain degree of severity of symptoms. It doesn't necessarily mean a certain mortality rate or anything like that. It just has to do with physical spread of the number of cases. And so that's what scientists are referring to when they say pandemic. Now, COVID-19 in particular does have a, a pretty high mortality rate. 
And one of the things that makes it unusual is that the mortality rate is not isolated to those traditionally at-risk populations. You know, if you look at something like influenza, we see um, the elderly and the people with underlying conditions, which of course is us, you know, those at-risk populations are are affected. One of the things that's unique about COVID-19 is that it doesn't stop there. It, it spreads pretty wildly through your healthy adult population, your people that don't necessarily have underlying conditions. And even though the mortality rate is not as high among them, it is still pretty, pretty startlingly high. And so the mortality rate is also of concern with this particular disease. I believe I was looking at uh, around 300,000 deaths worldwide so far, mm-hmm. which, you know, if you consider that's really just since December, that's, that's pretty, that's a lot. So that's kind of the worldwide picture in terms of spread and, and mortality. The concentration is a little bit surprising. The United States has the most cases by far. We're about three times higher than the next country. And I've seen some people in the news saying, well, but, you know, population. The U.S. actually does not have a huge population globally. You know, when you look at like China and India that have over a billion people, uh, our populations are closer to like 347 million. So it's much lower. There's not a population reason for us to be the number one uh, number of cases. Uh, we do have a large geographical spread, which is also another reason that some people are saying, well, you know, it's it's hard to implement any kind of effective containment strategy um, when your country is that large. Mm. But China is also very large. India is also very large. Both of them are doing a lot better than us. Tiffany and I are both in the United States. In terms of globally containment strategies, I have to say, when I was looking at the numbers today, India is doing an amazing job at containment and and not really getting a lot of press for it. They had only, I should have written the number down because my memory is not great, but only a few thousand cases so far and uh, a population, you know, over like one and a half billion people. They have a very aggressive lockdown strategy that I was reading about And there are a lot of economic concerns there because they have a large population living below the poverty line. And I would like to see some more media coverage out of India. I know we have some volunteers there. Be really interested to hear what's going on from their perspective. So that might be something interesting to follow up on later. Okay. (laughs) And we're back. So (laughs) if if you tuned in earlier today, I don't know what it is about my internet, but this is the second time it's booted me out today. So we apologize for the interruption there. Danielle was so eloquently explaining to us (laughs) about this. So I don't know when I dropped off where you were at. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's, we kind of had talked about, you know, spread and, and a lot of what's in the news now is, is people looking at, you know, well, this country is doing this or this country is doing that. And, you know, looking at containment strategies and looking at new cases and, and all of the efforts that people have been doing are to, to flatten the curve, so to speak. And the idea there is that when you track the spread of disease on a graph, the number of new cases will steadily go up for a while and then it will plateau for a while, and then it should, in theory, descend. That's how most disease progressions go. And the reason it descends will be different for 
for all of them. You know, if you're looking at something a long time ago when there's no modern medicine, like the Black Plague or something, it may literally just be that the disease has run its course. It's killed off everybody it can. Now, it's usually more something like modern medicine figures out an a, a effective strategy for handling it. But at any rate, so you end up with this sort of bell curve. And what we want to do is have that curve be as fat and short as possible, as opposed to tall and skinny, because the hospitals can handle as many people as they can handle. And there's not a whole lot we can do to affect those numbers. Now, we are seeing some efforts to increase the capacity of hospitals. I've heard of, you know, setting up field hospitals in sort of a temporary situation. But at a certain point, you can't generate new doctors. You can't generate new nurses, you know, because that takes years of training. So the number of people that you have is the number of people that you have. What we can do is is increase things like the number of beds, the number of ventilators. You know, even that takes time, but most of the governments have done what they can to try and beef up those numbers. But at a certain point, your capacity is what your capacity is. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that you don't have more people coming into the hospitals than you have resources to treat them. And the best way to do that is to keep that curve, you know, sort of a low fat shape as opposed to a tall skinny shape. The unfortunate sort of side effect of that is that it does draw out the amount of time that the disease is going to be around necessarily because these patterns, you know, they they are going to either burn hot and fast or they're going to burn long and slow, but it's going to be one or the other. You're not going to have slow and fast. That doesn't really work. So right. <laughs> um, in order to keep the disease at a level that we can handle in terms of hospital capacity. That does mean extended lockdown periods. It does mean extended quarantine periods. It does mean, you know, extended safety protocols, longer terms of social distancing. And the longer that people are having to do this, the more we're seeing people being frustrated by it and getting tired of it. And yes, there is definitely a mental health aspect to it. You know, it, it's just not easy. I think when we went into this, a lot of people thought, oh, stay home, piece of cake. I can do that. Right. And, you know, our community, we can do that. We know how. We've, <laughs> we have we have experience in that. But a lot of people don't. And yeah, I mean, I've worked, worked from home here for a while. Exactly. This is not a new normal for me whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Thank you for that overview. And I think that that's just important to bring up because this has all happened so quickly. You know, gosh, it was only a couple months ago we did that first episode when you explained all of this. And now here we are reopening the countries, reopening the world. I mean, you know, little by little people are reopening and there's still hot spots that need to remain closed for this the reason that you said and I th that's why I wanted you to reiterate this because there is a lot of frustration and of course we want economies to be strong and and there's a lot of different perspectives and experiences that we must respect regardless we all have our own there are people that that you know need to work and what we just have to remember is if especially if you live in an area that could seek high levels of contagion, 
then mm-hmm. you need to make sure that that the the not only you have enough hospital beds, but as you said, that the staff yeah. is there and the staff is well enough to be able to to take care of those people. So all of that is just something to remember. And people need to understand that this is not a political issue. It's not a partisan issue. There's no sides, you know, and and the situation is going to evolve and people need to be able to adapt to it as it evolves. If you live in an area that reopens and your cases start to go up, which they absolutely will, that doesn't necessarily mean that reopening was the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. But if the cases going up exceed what your hospital capacity can handle, then you're going to have to lock down again and you need to be emotionally prepared for that. And that doesn't necessarily mean it was the wrong choice unless people resist being adaptable because you have to trust the local medical professionals that are telling you this is what we can handle. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really crucial. Otherwise, we're going to end up in situations where people are dying that didn't need to. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And um, we uh, just as uh, to let everyone know, to what gosh, what today is Monday of uh, tomorrow afternoon. We are having Carrie Beach from Rheumatology Nurses Society, who has been on the weekly Thursday COVID-19 town hall meetings every Thursday with with RNS. So she's going to also shed some light uh, from the rheumatology perspective as well. So so definitely come back for that, too. So, you know, something that I wanted to to mention here as well. Well, a couple of things. First, it's just so interesting, like you said, Danielle, and a lot in our community have said, this is not our new normal by by any means. Um, But what I would like for people who are not living with our diseases to take away um, is that life can go on. You have to adjust to it. And I've said this quote a couple of times. It's really from Kelly Conway, our one of our co-founders, is that, you know, we say having an AR arthritis disease isn't the end of the world. It's another way of living in it. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to everyone who's who's dealing with COVID. We don't know if the new norm, if that's normal, we'll go back to normal, normal, like pre-COVID. We don't know, we don't know what what normal is going to be moving forward. But you know, as a community, we hope that we can at least provide some guidance and, and advice as people who have had to deal with the new normal. Yeah. And uh, ours is forever changed and we just, we adjust and it takes some, some time, but, but, but we definitely have some experience in that, no doubt. So Danielle, I, I don't know. I, I mean, we're not experts, right? We just, we're kind of talking about what is the most important for patients. And if people are tuning in and you want to ask us a few questions, we're not experts, but we are people living with these diseases. And mm-hmm. if we do know some of the answers, we'd we'd be sure um, to share those with you. I see quite a few people on from Washington. Hey, Missouri. Hey, I'm from Missouri. <laughs> I'm from Missouri. I'm in St. Louis right now. <laughs> so I see uh, California. Um, something that has been really frustrating to me, you mentioned the 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 death rate mm-hmm. that that's the number that they always look at, mm-hmm. and I have heard so many people saying, "Well, 
the death rate's not as high as we anticipated. So this isn't a big deal. It's just the flu. Yeah. And see, what people need to understand is the death rate is not as high as was anticipated because we have been doing the flattening of the curve and because it has been working. And if they would step back and consider that 300,000 people are dead, even with the entire world basically locking down to protect each other. That's amazing. I mean, consider how many people would have died if everybody had gone on business as normal like they do for the flu. Right. I mean, I I can't even begin to pretend to guess how many people would have died. It would have been catastrophic. And every scientific expert agrees on that. You're friend that you went to high school with that failed biology may not, but everybody with letters after their name does. Right, right. You know, and something that that I will I'll share. I know Danielle knows as a lot of, of a lot of people know this. I've been very vocal about it. You know, I was even on the early podcast shows, I kept saying I was so frustrated I couldn't get a test. Couldn't get a test. And and I thought I, I was meeting all of the criteria. We still don't know. 100% sure yeah. um, if I was affected or not. My doctors have ruled my specific case as a false negative. Mm-hmm. And that is simply because of the presentation. It was not the flu. It, it I had all, I'm not going to go, it all had all of the symptoms. And then it went and attacked my heart. And when we first started these podcasts, these shows about the, about COVID, it was only a, considered a lung disease. Yep. It was every it was oh it it affects the lungs. Well, now they they I, when I, this happened to me, it was only 2 weeks of research from China talking about how it actually was affecting the heart. Now we know also the brain yep. and and, uh, and other areas of the body. And so for me, it it's very frustrating because assuming that I did, I was affected and that's what caused my, the heart inflammation that I was experiencing, never had anything like that before. It really is, it personally frustrates me to hear people compare the death rates because this is different than the flu. The flu isn't going to necessarily attack your heart and cause you to be dealing with these issues for months and months at a time and possibly permanent damage. So there's a whole level to COVID that, that I don't think is, is being respected, yeah. which to me is frustrating. Okay. We're going to try this <laughs> one more time here. <laughs> I removed the backdrop to see if that helps with the internet. Um, and then before we do the next episode, which will be in an hour or two with Deb Constein on, on conferences, I'm going to move around in my, in my home and see if I can find a somewhere that's going to support not, not popping me out. But what we were, we were talking about was just that it's really frustrating for people who have been affected by COVID in more ways than death, because it's, it's something that has many levels and we have not even figured it out yet where, where it's going. And the reason that I wanted to point that out was because of our diseases themselves. And uh, I think it's really important that those who feel that they have been impacted by COVID, whether you you know you were tested and your doctor feels it might, like me that it might have been a false negative, or if you just never received a test, there's a lot of research going on right now, and and I think it's really important that as many people as possible get 
involved in those activities. When we wrap up here, I'm going to give you more information on how to get involved in those. But Danielle, I wanted to turn it back over to you and just ask you if there's anything else specifically that you thought that we should point out for COVID, things that have progressed since we talked on the episode just a month or it was March. So it wasn't that long at two months ago. If there's anything else. <laughs> yeah, it was not uh, not too long ago. The only thing I would say is, uh, especially to people living in areas that are starting to reopen, I would probably recommend that people, you know, make sure that you're wearing your mask if you are required to do so, if your doctor has recommended it. But just be careful going out because just because something is is open doesn't mean that it's safe. Just because you have a mask on doesn't mean that it's safe. Wash your hands aggressively and all the things that you've been doing. I want to make a special thank you again to Danielle. She did an amazing job in that live episode, giving us a recap on pandemics and how working together to prevent the spread is key to keeping those numbers down and for essentially keeping our hospitals and clinics moving smoothly. Also, just to touch on a little bit of my concern in that episode was simply, I've got to say it, I'm so frustrated with people comparing COVID-19 to the flu. I'm also frustrated that the only thing that seems to matter is how too many is how many people die. And what we are realizing from COVID-19 is it's much more complex and we just don't have the answers yet. In addition to the death rate, it's attacking organs, heart, lungs, nervous system, eyes. These are still unknowns on how this is going to impact the world and the people who have been infected with COVID-19 long term. So until we understand that better, I really encourage people to stop dismissing this as something extremely serious. That's just my two cents. You can learn a little bit more about some of the things we were talking about, including articles that compare COVID to the flu and debunk the fact that some people think it is the same or not that serious. You can find links to articles from scientific journals that will help you explain to others the severity if you so choose. You can find those on our Facebook group, which is under our IF, AI Arthritis organization page. And there's a group called COVID-19 and AI Arthritis. So in addition to any of these episodes that we air on our breakout series for COVID-19 and arthritis, and I think we've done about eight or nine now, those links are also there. So if you wanted to go back and listen to any of those, the link is right there on the Facebook page. It's also can be found at our aiarthritis.org backslash podcasts as all of our shows can. But on that Facebook page, you can comment and add your opinions and we'll respond back. So you want to, might want to check that out there as well. We also have an AIarthritis.org backslash COVID-19 page. And on there, we do link to several resources that we believe could be helpful to you. You'll also find all of the links to our special series talk show episodes there as well. 
Examples of some of these would be one, another one that Danielle was part of, and they were show topics on masks and gloves. And I think that that is still very relevant. I know everything evolves and changes, but it's it, it was really interesting information. So you might want to check that out, as well as the second breakout episode we did with Dr. Al Kim from Washington University Rheumatology and Matt Eisman, who is a celebrity. He's the host of American Ninja Warriors. He was also a co-host with me on that show. So that was a very, very informative show and entertaining because Matt's, you know, a funny guy. So you might want to check that one out as well. And finally, in addition to our COVID-19 Facebook page with resources, our COVID-19 and AI arthritis Facebook group, with additional resources and links to this show with episodes relevant to COVID-19 that you can comment on. We also are getting involved in research, and that means you also can get involved in this way. On our COVID-19 page on our website, you'll find three registries. One is called COVID-19 Global Rheumatology Alliance. This is a worldwide rheumatology-led And that means by rheumatologists, researchers, and patients, including patient organizations. So so both patients non-affiliated and patients affiliated with organizations. We are part of that alliance in two ways. The first, and this is how you can get involved, if you believe that you have been affected by COVID-19, and that means regardless of being diagnosed or not, if you suspect that you were infected, please fill out the patient survey. Also, if you have been diagnosed with a test that's positive, make sure your rheumatologist knows about this because they can submit all of your data and information and that is being used by our own rheumatologists to further explore how our diseases are affected by COVID-19. As an organization, we also sit on several committees for the Rheumatology Alliance. And the conversations we have with you and what your biggest concerns are regarding COVID-19 and our diseases is very important for us to hear because we can then disseminate that back into the conversations we're having. So check that one out. Second, Forward National Data Bank for Rheumatic Diseases. We did have Caleb Mishu on the live sessions last week, and he talked a little bit about the work that they're doing with a patient survey. So you can also find a link to that on our site. And then finally, we are working with Global Healthy Living Foundation. Some of you may know them as Creaky Joints, which is actually a breakout organization from the bigger umbrella Global Healthy Living Foundation, but they are doing the arthritis and rheumatic disease COVID-19 project. Now, this is all, that, that project is only for USA and Canada, but please check that out as well because this is an effort that will be following patients long-term to understand the experiences and then in turn help all of you. So please check those out. And that just gives you somewhat of an idea of what we're doing as it relates to COVID-19 and AR arthritis. In saying that, while you're on our website, we sure would appreciate if you if you were willing and able to give a donation. Any amount is always welcome because all of the work that we just mentioned that we've done on COVID-19 and AR arthritis, we have done without any funding <laughs> because it was what was right and it is what is right. So As we continue providing these resources moving forward, we sure would appreciate your support. 
Finally, you can find this episode and all of our episodes on our website at arthritis.org backslash podcast, or you can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. And of course, if you do, give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. So that's going to wrap it up here for our mini-sode. You can also visit our Facebook page, IFAI Arthritis, and search the videos to find all of the live sessions that we did of this show, and they will be available on our website as well. Thank you for tuning in. Your voice is always important at AI Arthritis because only together can we solve the problems of tomorrow. So make sure that you check out all of the resources we have and pull up a seat at the table. We'll be waiting. AI Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis. Every Sunday, join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead the discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org.